the Wildlife Observer Network. Hello and welcome to Birding Punks. I'm Tony Crozell with my co-host, Paul Riss. And it's been a, a lot has happened since the last time we talked. Oh man. <laughs> it sure, it sure has. I mean, it, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, obviously it, it all is, is more centered around the United States, but it's happening here too. Like I'm, I'm looking at our local Hamilton, Ontario newspaper and the, the top headline is should the police budget be cut by 20%. So it's, it's, it's happening here too. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah, my, my, my city is probably not going to increase the the police budget like they were planning on, which, you know, after the cuts post, you know, COVID um, would be nice to not um, to reallocate that to other departments. So. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, you know, my, my knowledge of, of the United States is that of a neighbor, <laughs> not as intricate as yours, of course, having lived there your whole life. But like, I just, I feel that that's a step in the right direction. And I do, I do think that here, I mean, very recently, we also had um, a, we had something happen here in a condominium in Toronto, like a apartment building in Toronto, where a girl who was suffered from some um, uh, mental disorders and, and whatnot, like, she, she's she's known to police because she has had outbreaks before and they've had to come and, well this last time the officers went like s- several officers went into the apartment and the mother was taken outside of the apartment and somehow that girl fell off the balcony oh man and um yeah and it's so it's like it's a pretty it's a it's a hot button up here too i mean it's just not as uh intense as it is in in the United States because of the seemingly open ability to just murder black people down there. If you're a cop. (laughs) Yeah. It's we're in need of huge reforms. And I think we're finally having these discussions that uh, it's not just, it's not just that the police need to um, be retrained it's also we have to figure out how we can have less contact with the police in the first place, right? Yes. Is, is, as much as I want to hold police accountable for their individual actions and I want them retrained and we also have to realize that there's going to be incidents as long as people are interacting with police and the more people interact with police, the more there's going to be incidents. So if we can get if we could redirect some of these funds to social programs and maybe have a bigger discussion about income inequality in general, then yeah. we could have less people interacting with the police. Um, also, I think we need to have police act like firefighters, right? Where like they kind of wait around until they're called. And when you have them out um, patrolling, then they, then they're looking for trouble and then they'll make trouble. The other thing is uh, we got to stop using police as revenue generators. Right, like, like that. Yes, for sure. So, if you know the police budget and the city's budget should be 
have nothing to do like with um like tickets um generation because then they're just going to be out looking for things and then they're going to be encouraged to look for things where there aren't so i mean that, that's that's a whole lot of things we need to, we do and hopefully you know i think that i i i feel like there's a sea change coming um i've never seen anything like this in my 43 almost 44 years yeah i i would i would tend to agree with that like i had this conversation with my wife the this i think it was last night and um i said I feel like something, I feel like it might actually change this time. Like, I think there's, this is, this is way bigger than anything else. I think as long as, um, I think as long as all the, the protesters like are, I think there's a, there's a level of organization that is required to move it to the next level because everything starts of course with protests and making sure that elected officials and whatnot understand what you're looking for but then it's it, when it gets to that next level of actual change you, you have to kind of i feel like there has to be a bit of a plan and i i hope the leaders um are prepared for that so that when the when the when we finally say okay we, let's seriously talk about this now um and the and the, the the attention of the world is on it and then like have a plan for going forward as opposed to just kind of you know, being good at protesting and drawing attention to it and then not really having a plan for going forward. And I'm sure there is, but it's obviously something not I'm not privy to or aware of in any way. I don't know if you are being closer. I mean, I saw a lot of footage of Philly, man, and that was a lot of people. Yeah. It's good to see. Yeah, it's, um, it's, um, Yes, yeah, my city's been on the news for <laughs> good and bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and all, but then watching, you know, I saw something really uh, interesting. Um, Conan O'Brien was interviewing, jeez, um, oh, why can't I remember his name right now? I don't remember American politicians' names as well as I probably should. But um, anyways, they... Conan was talking about the fact that he was not talking about Trump or making jokes about Trump or having Trump dialogue on his show because um, it's not about him. Like to, the, the election that's coming up is not necessarily, at least this is, this, is, this is not my words, this is their words. It's not really about defeating one man or one party. It's about um, what kind of people we want to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. What kind of a society do we want to be? It's not about that dipshit because you know what? That guy's going to die just like I am, just like you are. We're all, we all get a certain amount of time and then we're done. That guy is going to not be around forever. And, but, but other people are. And so it's like, what's the path going forward as opposed to, you know, where yeah. we are right now. Absolutely. And then of course, um, right before this happened and then through this was the whole incident in central park. Yes. Um, where Christian Cooper was accosted by Amy Cooper, not related. Um, yeah. For filming her, um, dog off leash in the ramble, which is, a an, an on leash area at a very sensitive, you know, area for, um, migratory birds and I'm sure resident birds as well. And she, of course, you know, um, 
even though apparently in her social life and personal life, she's um, represents as being very liberal. Um, she um, went back to that place where, you know, white people could always go when dealing with people of color generally, where they could say, I'm going to call the police with the implication that they're going to believe her over the person. And I'm going to, you know, I, I can um, either get you arrested or, you know, have violence uh, come to you, you know, which is very real. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, basically I could ruin your, I could end or ruin your life um, based upon with a my, phone call. Yeah. With my word, um, my, I yeah. could lie and ruin your life in one way or another. And that prompted this big discussion in the burning community and uh, Taiki James, who is part of this network, uh, you know, essentially like the co-founder uh, of it. Um, he uh, was one of the, organizers of Black Birders Week, uh, which got a whole lot of press and a lot of attention and caused a lot of uh, dialogue within the, the birding community. And um, so, you know, our network um, is kind of ground zero of that because of Taiki, of course. And, um, you know, a lot of our content's been um, dealing with uh, talking about that and will talk about that. So I don't necessarily want to go in too much uh, that here just just because you know not that we want to avoid the topic it's because the wildlife observer network will have a lot of content about this topic so um yes we don't need to have it on every single one of our um shows um but what got me thinking was you know as punks as outs as people who like we're both insiders and outsiders you and i are both very involved in the birding community and the mainstream birding community, you know, we're, we're um, yeah. Um, but yet we're all inherently like outsiders because, you know, identifying as punks. And I see a lot of, um, um, a lot of these organizations are talking about um, what they want to do to be, you know, more sensitive to birders of color, um, how to um, make sure they're, they're, rep they're equally represented, you know, there's equity in, and um, I wrote an article um, about this um, on our blog. Um, I, I saw you reposted it, so I know you read it. Um, yeah. Says, but what got me thinking was specifically about the since we're outsiders, like how much do we reform the birding groups, you know, the established groups, like um, be they you know uh, message boards, um, you know, on Facebook. Or you know, like the American Birding Association, like a national group, Audubon, um, which is even bigger. Um, yeah. How much do we, or just ignore, and do our own thing? Or in our case, you know, as we're both white, um, not necessarily do our own thing, but support um, other you know folks, people of color, in, you know, birders of color who will t will will start their own things. You know, like mm -hmm. like yeah. why why do we need um, these organizations that have been around forever um, when something new could start, right? That's just kind of like what I've been thinking about. I don't know. I thought that would be a yeah. good. That is a good topic to think about because, yeah, I, I, I think like, I think ultimately it should be kind of up to the, the uh, blackbirding community. Do, what, what is it that is, um, like what what do you guys want um as as a as a community like as a subset like what do you want do you want to um be represented within all of the mainstream birding things or do you want to start 
your own thing and like which was what happened with black birders week which i thought i don't know how quickly that came together but it was really well organized <laughs> like it felt like it they had been working on that for a long time and it, it just really felt super organized and I, but i know that you know i know i've met taiki but i don't know him super well but i would imagine if uh he's a really good friend and partner of yours he's like he's a he's a doer he's not just the kind of person that uh you know says things he he's, he makes he makes shit happen and it's the same with um i i know it's the same with um jason ward who is also i believe a pretty big part of black birders week organization um and you know he's a, he's an entrepreneurial self-starting he's like what i call it a doer you know he does stuff he yeah. just talk about things he makes shit happen and i think that perhaps there's a perhaps it's something that they want to create in their own image instead of changing what you know the aba currently looks like or all of that now um for people who don't know that are listening i am on the board of directors for the American Birding Association. And, you know, I, I think we need changes on the board. I think most of the board members agree. And we're reviewing people right now to look at, uh, to be on the board. Um, so, I, you know, I, I do think that I'd be really interested to know, like I didn't really post much about all of this stuff. I have seen, in at least in the Ontario Birds Facebook group, I've seen a lot of people saying, "Please, can this can we keep politics out of this?" It's like the the worst fucking statement you can have is keep politics out of this. It's not politics. It's about human rights. It has nothing to do with politics. And I and I find that people are just nervous about the conversation in general. You know, white people, <laughs> white birders. I feel like they're nervous about the conversation. So the really the first thing I posted other than reposting things like your um, really well written by the way uh, post about the, the situation that Taiki and some of the other birders that you were out with felt at that, what was it at a Wawa or something like that? Yeah, um, Wawa. Yeah. yeah. So uh, like I reposted other things. I've reposted a couple of articles and interviews with Jade Drew Lanham, who is uh, obviously a really influential black birder and someone I respect a great deal. And, I'm and really we had him on the show. With. Yeah. On the, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I think that like the only thing that I posted from my personal point of view was yesterday. I posted another article that the ADBA did about Drew and a, and a quote that he made about, please stop saying, I don't see color because it's insulting. Um, but that like all I said from my personal perspective was, Hey, white birders, it's the easiest thing in the world to do is just listen. That's all you got to do. You got to listen and then you got to take what you've learned and become a better person. That's it. That's, I feel like that's it for us, yeah. for, for white birders. That's what they got to do. So what, what, what does Taiki, um, think about what, like, do, does he want to start, do they want to start something new or is it like, do you have any uh, insight on that? Um, I'm not exactly sure. And that's something that like, we're actually going to talk about um, 
we're, we're planning a time to have a, um, I think it's a little of both, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and we're going to have, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, we're planning, um, we're going to call it something like black brothers week hangover. Um, like, <laughs> you know, um, kind of like a, a debriefing, um, episode yes. and, uh, talk about that a bit. Um, so I, my guess would be a little of both because it's, it's, um, and that's, and it's, I guess, you know, we're talking about it here and why are we talking about it? But I mean, we're talking about it from the aspect of, you know, we're, we're, we're punk rockers. Like we've always kind of been on the outside. So sometimes I feel like, um, in some ways, like when you're punk, you've, I completely aware that you've, we've made these choices ourselves to look weird or whatnot. And so any, any, um, discrimination or, or aggression towards us is completely self-made. Like I'm not at all trying to co-opt anybody's experience, um, at discrimination from things that weren't their choice whatsoever. Right. And let's get that out of the way. But because of that, I feel like it's, um, like I've felt like I'm the outsider in a, in the, uh, um, burning community. And it's kind of made me be like, what would it feel like if, if like (laughs) you, uh, um, we're really out, an outsider, you know, like, 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 you know, yeah. cu- culturally alienated and, and, and marginalized, you know? Um, so what, you know, and it's always kind of made me um, look at things as like, I could pick and choose, right? Like I can, um, I'll take what I want from mainstream birding, but I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. And that's like, yeah. a, you know, that's a very pri- privileged position, right? Definitely. Like, yeah. And, um, so it's it's weird because you you at some in some ways you're like I can see how I would um I remember like I went to the Patton's backyard, um the famous hummingbird spot in um yes. Sonora Creek, Patagonia, and I had like two kind of interesting experiences where I had one where like um what's um oh man, one of the the founders of Brian Sullivan from um, the uh, uh, co-founder of eBird. So I was there um, like on a road trip with my girlfriend at the time she was uh, moving to Arizona and we stopped and stayed there uh, for like a night or two. And this is like when I had my crazy hair. And um, so I'm just standing there like at the backyard, like, and I had at the time I had like Nikon Monarchs or something, you know, nothing, nothing like I have now. But like, you know, obviously like a, like a more than just a basic like starter binoculars, right? Yeah. And um, I had no idea that the ABA happened to be having their um, convention at the same time in Tucson. Ah. So I'm standing there and a bus pulls up, and <laughs> all the stereotypical birders you can imagine get out, right? Yeah. And um. Um, and Brian Sullivan just makes a beeline towards me and he's like, who are you? I need to know who you are. Like, just cause like, you know, to see this like crazy looking <laughs> dude over the tattoos, like, look, you know? And so that's when I first met him. And then, um, and so that was cool. Like this guy's like, Oh, you look weird. I want to, I want to know. I, I want to like, make sure you feel welcome. I want to like, be like, Hey, this is, I'm glad to see someone who looks different here. 
And then yes. um, there was a caretaker there. Um, um, and I, and he, he was giving me, um, he had a scope set up with a thick build Kingbird and he was giving me directions to, um, I think it was the actual Patagonia picnic table. Um, I think it was where to find yeah. the Bacard nest, right? He was giving me directions. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And yeah. like these like floppy had it, you know, older woman, you know, walks up and just like completely interrupts us. And like is asking about the Kingbird and the guy's just like, she's like, how do you, how do you know it's a thick book Kingbird? And he just like, first of all, I'm talking to this man and giving him directions. Second of all, it has a really thick bill. And <laughs> yeah. And like, it just kind of like made me, it's like funny. We're like, in one instance, like one, the, uh, a guy's rolling out the, you know, a couple people there have been ro- rolling out the welcome mat to me, like making me feel comfortable in this space. And then the next thing you know, like this woman is like acting like I don't even exist. And, and the guy's so mad. And he, when she walked away, he, he was expressed how mad he was about that. And again, and, and again like I brought all this all myself. I'm going to admit yeah. that. But it yeah. makes me, it, it gives you like a little bit of context to be like, oh, what would it be like for people who, are outsiders all the time, you know, but again, I can, I can, I can go show up at a burning thing and get like attention and whatnot. And then I can just go do my own thing. Um, and I have that like luxury. I have that, you know, privilege or whatever. And um, I'm not, so it's got me just thinking like, what's better. Do we start from scratch um, with, you know, either led by at the very, I mean, I guess preferably led by, if not, you know, an equitable, um, demographic assemblage of people starting new yes. groups or whatnot, like, you know, or, or to reform, you know? Um, yeah. And cause like, you know, like um, I'm friends, I'm very good friends with Jeff Gordon, the president of ABA. I'm sure, I think you are too. Um, yes. He's a, you know, great person. Um, and the organization is full of wonderful people. You know, I contribute uh, occasionally to that organization. Like, I mean, I'm a member, but I also like write stuff on occasion. I like to do more hint, hint, yeah. but uh, um, <laughs> I, uh, um, so I think, you know, a lot of those people are very good attention, but it just, it, it just doesn't matter. Like if, if it's not, um, we have to get to the point with these organizations where it's not just like people of color represented, they have to be the movers and shakers, you know, like they have like the, and then if, even if they are, you know, represented or even overrepresented, like, like when I mean over, I mean like the statistic term, not like. In yeah, importance, yeah. Um, sure numbers. Yeah, yeah um, it's still going to have this historic culture that you know. So it's just that's yeah. an, it, so you know. So I think there's a lot of merit to um, um, starting something new, but there's also a lot of power in something that's been around for a long time that can um, um, lead to change because you know, and because let's face it, like, we're still going to be stuck with, you know, 60, some 70% of the country of my country, at least. And I think even more percentage of your country being white. Um, yeah. so we, we gotta, you know, um, if we want that population to, you know, we're now we're in a democracy and if we want that population to make the correct choices for the rest of the country, like we need to make headway in that population. So it's, it's like a, it's very difficult, you know? Um, yeah, it, it, it sure is. And it, it's because of the, uh, I think also because of the, um, 
Well, something that Drew brought up in his ABA article, and I don't know if you, I haven't had a chance to listen to you talk to him yet, but you know, he talked about the fact that it's a, it's a, it's a white thing. It's a thing of birding is a thing of white privilege because it stems from um, a colonialist attitude of cataloging everything in a new place when you col- when you colonize it. You know, yeah. like all of the the whole the whole thing about recording wild species and everything. It's a it's a purely the way that it's done that turned transitioned into hunting and collecting specimens is just looking at them. Um, the the way all of that was born was a was born and created completely by white people. Like the aboriginals that lived on this continent were certainly more in tune and more connected to nature than we'll ever be. But they didn't like treat it. They they put it more on an equal plane. At, whereas we're always like above and categorizing and say, hey you kingbird, you belong in this family because you share the same traits as this bird and that bird. And it's like, that's just such a white way to look at things. So it's a, so it's even like, even the, the, the field guides that those blackbirders use are completely created from a white perspective. So it's, I, you know, as, as you said, we can't imagine that level, but being partially outsiders because of the punk thing it does give you i feel like it doesn't it doesn't help you understand but it opens your eyes a little bit to listening you know what i mean it it opens your mind being that we made these choices to not quite fit in with everybody else it opens your it opens your mind to the idea that some people might not have a choice like we do like as as you say i have a choice so I can go into, um, and I've seen it, I've experimented with this just because I find it interesting, is I've gone into meetings, um, business meetings, work meetings in my design and advertising world with a long sleeve collared shirt and nobody can see what I actually look like. You know what I mean? They're, they're seeing my outfit more than they're seeing me. And then I will go again to those to after I've met that person. So the second or third time I'll meet with that person, I'll have rolled up sleeves and you can see like their eyes just go, they look around and they go, Oh, that's not what I thought was there, but I already like this person. So, you know, but as you say, I'm bringing that upon myself. And it's, it's something that we'll never fully understand because like you say, it's a choice. It was our choice. That, that's my choice to do that, to, to, to be different than other people is my choice, as opposed to just who I am, you know? Yeah. And I, I, and I experienced something um, once, so during COVID, like during the, the very beginning of the lockdown, um, a lot of Ontario birders were extremely cavalier about the way they were birding. Like I know... <laughs> I know one particular one who, of course, it's not, it's not a naming thing when I'm not naming names, but I know one particular one that traveled back from, I, from uh, Southern Central America and was in a forest with other people in Ontario two days later. And 
so that that person should have been quarantined for 14 days um so what what i did was i was vocal against that sort of thing so i just didn't go birding and figured i was going to miss the entire spring migration because i live in a very urban part of this um of canada and i just don't get that much in my yard you know what i mean because of the how densely populated it is but luckily for me things started to open up around the second week of may and our parks were open so i started to be able to go into the parks again and look at birds um but i had a i had a a situation with a woman who was on um i was on a path i was looking at some blue-winged warblers practicing social distancing and this woman comes along and she says but um she she's a runner and she comes running along and she starts to yell at me it is a hot day so i'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt so all you know all of my tattoos are out and this she just starts yelling at me that i need to get off the path now if you know anything about uh southern ontario you'll know that you don't go off the path because of ticks right that's like really bad um especially where i live and so you you just kind of don't do it and i said just go around me the path was wide enough that a car could drive on it wasn't paved it was dirt but it was wide enough for a car and i was like just go around me and she just kept on screaming at me to get off the path i feel like if i was a stereotypical birder and an elderly person with a chilly hat and a, and a walking stick she never would have done that you know what i mean and and that that is that was just a really uncomfortable situation she's running past and she's saying i'm a healthcare professional i could be covid positive i'm like then what the hell are you doing out here then yeah. <laughs> running and sweating and huffing and puffing all over complete strangers and elderly people that were out birding as well um so you know that you get it you get a little bit of a it's like you get like a taste of, the, of what it is but you don't truly understand yeah it's just like enough to like be like god is like what could this be like if imagine every day like this this was one all day every day worse yeah. and yeah i have no way to get out of it you know and that's yeah, just exactly what... i can't it's inescapable yeah and, and then uh, for and then for americans to live in like you guys live in a country that um the southern part of the country was was uh fighting to keep black people enslaved like there was a there was a war there about it <laughs> yeah so for black americans like versus black canadians i imagine it's even worse yeah it's canadians are just so nice apparently but we're not really but it's our it's our reputation yeah i mean but then you have your issues you know similar very similar to us with indigenous people you know yeah first nations you know it's yeah i mean it's just this is the time that to to listen this is the time to listen and to back the plays of the people who are open there's like hey this is this is what we're asking for so it's time to listen to support um in the i, I keep forgetting i gotta switch to um i'm gonna have to stop using zoom and and start going back to other um ways of recording um 
to because Zoom ended its free um, unlimited recording, and now it's back to the forty minutes. So um, we only got about seven wow. minutes before this stops. Um, the nice thing about Zoom is it um, I can shut off everything else and don't get notifications. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, there's the whole um, when it comes to like use in parks. That's a whole other issue. We're like. Um, that woman, Amy Cooper, was felt very entitled to have her dog off a leash. This woman who was running felt very entitled that people should get out of her way because she's moving um, fast. And I've been in the park a whole lot because um, our parks never closed. And I've been in the park a whole lot um, birding and walking. So I, I hike with my wife off. Well, she's pregnant, so we kind of walk <laughs> slowly. Um, we also um, so it's a slow hiking, slow hiking. Yeah. And then I've had also like friends come by and like we'll walk, we'll, you know, we'll mask up and walk um, together, but you know, distant enough to keep a conversation. And I've hiked, yeah. and I've so I've hiked, I've walked, I've hiked, I've biked, and I've birded in the same park on the same trails. And I found that like uh, the cyclists and the and the runners expect you to get out of their way, and off of these trails are very narrow. Yeah. So, and again, like we have ticks, we have, it's, you know, just digging that all those multi-floor rows. So I'm like, what do you want me to do? Like, you want me to step into this stuff? Like you want me to risk getting Lyme disease? Mm-hmm. You want me to like, like scratch my, my, myself. You want me to um, get stung by singing that I'll get poison Ivy. So you can maintain your speed. And there's even this guy who just has his bell ringing the whole time. Like it's just like dangles. And what he's doing with that is he's, He's saying like, get out of, he's like, it's not a courtesy. It's like, get out of my way. You know, I'm more important than you is what he's saying. Yeah. Like, (laughs) like you're supposed to move out of my way um, at the sound of my bell. And what that does is it like, um, first of all, it, 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 I can't hear his bike anymore. So I don't, I can't, um, usually what happens is I wait till someone's right up behind me. And then I, then I like, I'll flatten out or like turn sideways, let me get past. Um, yeah. but if you are, if you're digging, that means that like the entire time I, once I get a general idea of how close you are, I like, I have to like, look at you, judge how far away you are. And like, yeah, we're talking, you know, seconds here, but like when you're, and the same thing when someone yells like on your left, on your left, you're like, okay, I know you're coming. And then, so what I'll do is like, and you know, I'll just walk to the side of the trail, I'll keep walking. And they're like on your left. And I'm like, and I'll just be like, I hear you. Like, go around. I'm, like, I'm out of the way. <laughs> and then and they'll be like, we'll just put some acknowledgement. I'm like, no, you don't want acknowledgement. You want me to like, to basically step off the trail and like flatten out. So you don't have to, you can go as fast as you want. And yeah. it, it, it's, it's really, you know. Um, it's, it's selfish. Yeah, I think <laughs> what, what it is. It sounds is, like it's very selfish. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's human nature and people are going to be as, they're going to be as selfish and self-absorbed as they can. And, and that's to the degree at which, you know, the advantages that they have, be it race, be it gender, be it income, uh, or, you know, um, inertia because they're on a bike (laughs) or they're running. Um, They're going to, they're going to use that um, to, you know, and it's just like, that's the thing. And, circling back to like reforming everything where I just think we need a society that isn't 
um, the idea that we everybody just needs to behave and things will be fine is just ridiculous. Like we have to we have to look at a society where we reduce the need to um, commit crimes or to like be violent or to like have interactions with the police. Like, like we need to like look at it and like, if pe- you know, people, oh, so many people, I mean, I lost, uh, make me so mad with their critiques of really at two minutes left of looting. And I'm like, they're like, this is not about what the protest is about. And I'm like, yeah, it's not necessarily what about this particular issue, but it's, it's about the being, you know, marginalized and systemic poverty and yeah. you have this capitalist system that tells you that buying stuff is going to make you feel better but yet you, it doesn't provide for everybody to get the stuff and then yeah. like and it's very clear that like certain people are never going to get this stuff <laughs> and like <laughs> and you expect people to like when opportunity arises to to not take advantage of that you know like that's yeah. kind of like um you know i guess we can end on on that like um hoping that uh you know, we reform society um, from the ground up and, and in, in a way that like we actually address the root causes, not just the symptoms. Yeah. Well, that you can never, I mean, symptoms you can only put at bay to fix a problem. You got to go to the root, you know, you, you can have, you can have uh, medication that can keep you uh, keep your symptoms at bay, but, you just gotta like you know like with the regular old flu or cold you can have the symptom you can have medication that puts the symptoms at bay but your body just has to fight it off the root of the problem and when this bug or whatever is out of your body then it's gone you know what i mean like once you get rid of it then the symptoms go away so yeah i think that it has to be looked at in that manner and you know seeing things like should we cut the police budget by 20 percent? that's it's a step in the right direction i think I agree. All right, buddy. We'll talk. Um, we'll we'll talk in a week or so. Cheers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cheers. Bye.